We are going to turn now in our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 14. We're going to be thinking about the, the power of the resurrection and what that means for our lives today. You can find that on page 836 of your Pew Bibles. Just two short verses from 1 Thessalonians. The coming of the Lord. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God's word. So, recently... Okay, I'm going to get a little morbid here, but it's a very serious conversation. Uh, Lily and I were having a conversation of what, you know, what will it be like to lose, you know, not to lose each other, but to lose, you know, to lose a parent. And we think about these big questions, to lose a parent, to lose a spouse. Um, You know, the Bible tells us that death is the final enemy that's to be defeated. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us. And we know that death... I mean, I can say it was not part of God's intention. That's a huge statement. I mean, to try to wrap our minds around that. But we know that death came into the world through the fall and through man's disobedience and through our sin. And so it's a result of living in the world that we live in, this, this world that's broken, that is rebellious, that's sinful. And it's something that we all have to face Losing someone that we, that we love, that we care about so much. Um, and into that, into you know, a difficult subject, the, the Word of God speaks to us. And, and cuts, you know, and speaks life and encouragement and, and hope. Because it's very, it's very clear what Paul writes here. We don't grieve as those who have no hope. Um, it doesn't say we don't grieve. It says we don't grieve as those who, who have no hope. And when we were having this conversation and talking about that, I mean, there are questions that I have about Christianity. There are things... Um, that I wrestle with and doubts that I have and things that I don't understand. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later. One thing I don't doubt is that I'm going to see my cousin again. And I'm see my grandmother again. I'm going to see people I love that have trusted in Christ. I'm going to see them again. And I don't even worry about that. Because of what Jesus has done, we have that. And we, we grieve, but we don't grieve as those that have no hope. And we miss them, we long for their presence, but we also know that we will see them again. And it's a matter of time. In Advent, we think about Christ coming as a baby, but really, Advent means arrival. And we're thinking about Jesus. 
He can come back any day and make everything right. You know, Martin Luther said, I, I, I want to live my life like Jesus ascended to heaven yesterday and he's coming back tomorrow. So, you know, we, anytime we try to interpret the times or try to predict, well, it will happen on December 16th, 2019, Jesus told us not to do that. Jesus told us we don't know when, the day or the hour. Not even he knew it. Only the Father. And yet we live our life in this way that Jesus can return and change everything in an instant and reunite us with our loved ones. Um, I, uh, I am going to pick on him because he's not here tonight. And of course he told me this morning I, I won't be here. But I just love, I was, there was a whole group of us and Gordon Nyhoff was talking to us. Sorry, sorry, it's so it's really sad, but it's so powerful. And he just said, you know, he just said, Brenda's not here anymore. She's not here anymore. And I just love the way that he put that. Because it's not that she's gone. She's just not here anymore. She's in a better place. And she's with the Lord. And I don't, I don't think that he, it even keeps him at night anymore. He knows that she's safe with Jesus to have that kind of, of faith and to know that our loved ones that trust in Christ, they are with God. They're, they're in His presence. They're living face to face with Him. So what does the resurrection mean for us? That's the question that's posed by the New City Catechism. What does the resurrection mean for us? One word, hope. One word, hope. And in English, hope sort of means, well, I hope that the Seahawks will win the Super Bowl this year. But really, there's only an 8% chance. In the Bible, hope means so much more than that. Hope is an assurance. It's a comfort. It's a knowledge. It's deep in our souls that we know. We know it's going to happen. What does hope look like? We, we hope in the physical resurrection, the physical resurrection of Jesus. That's actually what's made all of this possible. And the catechism, I like how it throws that in there because it's, it's um, we have a, con- there's actually a conversation within Christianity today of does it matter that Jesus physically rose from the dead? This, this is a wonderful little book called The Meaning of Jesus, Two Visions, and there is uh, one from N.T. Wright, who is a wonderful scholar, a British scholar. We've been working through his commentary on Galatians in the, my Sunday school class. And there is, a, um, there is a, the other vision, kind of the contrasting vision, is from Marcus Borg, who was a professor at Oregon State University. And it just says at the bottom, the leading liberal and conservative Jesus scholars present the heart of the historical Jesus debate. And I want to just read something about this because I believe it's so, so crucial that we hold on to this doctrine, this truth that the church has held on to for 2,000 years, that Jesus really did rise from the grave. The question that they are debating here is really interesting. It was written like, you know, I think, I read this in seminary, so maybe 20 years ago. But they, they, he's, Marcus Borg says, 
could the resurrection of Jesus been caught on videotape? Well, now I kind of think of it as, you know, if we had an iPhone and we're there at the tomb, could we have caught it on videotape? And does, does that matter? N.T. Wright says, yes, you could have. You could have videotaped it. You could have caught, caught on video Jesus walking out of the tomb, fully, physically resurrected, and that has all kinds of meaning. And, and uh, Marcus Borg says it's, it's um, not that essential and that it's more of a, of a metaphor. Here is, here is what they write. I just want to lay this out for you because I think it's, it's so important. These historical questions lead to a theological question. Does the truth of Easter depend upon the empty tomb and appearance stories being factual in this sense? Are we to understand these stories as reporting the kind of events that could have been videotaped? We answer these questions differently. N.T. Wright argues vigorously for the historical facts of the empty tomb and see it as central. He affirms what is commonly called a physical resurrection. Jesus was transformed into a new mode. I see the empty tomb and whatever happened to the corpse of Jesus to be ultimately irrelevant to the truth of Easter. If I understand him correctly, one could have videotaped the gospel witnesses if they had been there. I see them as a product of developing tradition and as a, as a powerfully true metaphorical story. So essentially, it's just a metaphor. It doesn't really matter. It's a pretty weak argument, I think. Because N.T. Wright is talking about hope. And here's what he says. Because of this hope, the resurrection of Jesus means that the present time is shot through with great significance. What is done to the glory of God in the present is genuinely building for God's future. Acts of justice and mercy, the creation of beauty and the celebration of truth, deeds of love and the creation of communities of kindness and forgiveness, these all matter, and they matter forever. Take away the resurrection, and these things are important for the present, but irrelevant for the future, and hence, not all that important after all, even now. It's extremely significant and extremely relevant to our everyday life that Jesus really rose from the dead physically. And that it was you know, the kind of thing that can be videotaped because, because of what the scripture tells us in 1 Thessalonians. That it means that God will bring, bring us with him someday. And that's that four-letter word again. That's hope. And that's huge. We are, we, we're hoping in the physical resurrection and we're also held with that promise that there is new life in this world. The New City Catechism says that. You are raised to a new life in this world. And the way that we can understand that is that the resurrection kind of works backwards and changes the perspective of, of our life. Uh, you know, I think I've told that the story that, uh, that Richard Mao tells of, you know, when you get into the middle of the book and it's really tense and so heated and you're not sure how the main character is going to get out, well, he doesn't just stick with it. He gets so nervous that he skips to the end. And he sees, well, you know what? 
he's going to live to see another day. You know, the, the born identity or whatever it is, it's like, okay, he's, he's going to make it. And then you can go back and read the rest of the story with a new perspective. Well, that's what the resurrection does for us. Because of, because of that, our lives are changed here and now. And if you, know, if you know the end of the story, if you know that it's resurrection, if you know that it's restoration, if you know that it's new heavens and new earth, how could that not change you? How can that not change how you live your life right now? Because the, the culture that we live in, it, you know, I talk about this a lot and we could define it in a lot of different ways, but culture essentially lives as if God isn't there. That we're on our own. That we're, you know, like this morning what we talked about. It's an orphan culture. And it, it lives as if they're, um, you know, that there's no need for grace or forgiveness. There's no need for a God, really, because science has explained everything and all these sorts of things. Culture is not neutral. It's always trying to squeeze us into its box. It's trying to say, live according to this kingdom. And Jesus is saying, no, live according to my kingdom and my reign. The way that Jamie Smith puts it that I think is so brilliant is you're either being discipled to Jesus or you're being discipled to the world. There's not another option. You're being discipled to North American culture, consumerism, selfishness, you know, some easy, light definition of, of freedom. Um, when we understand the resurrection, it changes how we live today. We're raised to new life in this world, here and now, and then everlasting life in the world to come. Isn't that interesting? We've talked about everlasting this morning. We have an everlasting Father, and we have everlasting life in the world to come. What is that going to be like? <laughs> I mean, we did, when I think about when I think about that, when I think about that benefit of the resurrection, all, all that came into my mind was, you know, Isaiah 64. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. So we're told what the new heavens and the new earth are going to be like, especially in the book of Revelation, but language can't even really capture it. It's beyond our imagination. It's going to be so much better than that. I mean, the Bible has all these pictures, and they're just trying to, to explain to us in a way that we can understand what it's going to be like. I mean, streets paved with gold. I mean, this the wonderful picture, you know, 144,000, every tongue, tribe, and nation. I mean, we can't even understand that. Whatever picture we have in our minds, it's going to be so much better than that. The, the pastors and theologians through the years, they've talked about this idea of living, living face-to-face with God. You know, living quorum Deo, face-to-face. That's what the new heavens and the new earth will be like. We'll be in his presence. We'll be right there with him. And when I think about that, you know, that idea of quorum Deo, it's like face-to-face, nose-to-nose, just with God. I, I went scuba diving once, 
And it was, it was overseas. It was like they would never let you do anything like this in the U.S. I mean, you need days and weeks of, of training. But I was in the back of a boat with a, with a Vietnamese guy, about 100 pounds. And he's teaching me how to scuba dive in like 20 minutes. And I'm entrusting my life to this guy. We're going to go 75 feet underwater. And he's telling me, you know, when we get down there, and of course he's saying this in very broken English and everything. I'm capturing like every fourth word. When we get down there, you got to look right at me. Eye to eye, nose to nose, face to face. we got to be face to face because if something goes wrong, you're running out of air 75 feet underwater. You gotta be, you gotta be with me. You gotta pay attention to what I say and what I do. So that was kinda, that was kinda scary because this instructor is holding your life in his hands. And yet, face to face with God, quorum Deo with God, it's kinda like that, but it's so much better because it's, it's face to face, but it's full of grace. And I can't even, I can't even wait for that. I can't, even imagine what it's going to be like. Because the Bible tells us again and again, and the Catechism points out that it's not just a resurrection, but it's also a restoration. It's a restoration of us and the whole creation. So it's not, it's not a small private salvation between you and God. It's quorum Deo, and then yet everyone else is experiencing that as well. And even the creation is experiencing that. The newness of God, the power of the resurrection of Jesus is that big. And think about when you, when you restore a house. So when you restore a house, when you work on it, it's not even like before, it's better. It's better. You're making it better than it's ever been before and so that's a picture of the resurrection and so think about that think of all the the mistakes that you've made the regrets the um the the difficult relationships the trying times the hard chapters of your life all of that is going to be restored and somehow and this is something you know something that that I that I struggle with something that I don't understand it doesn't make sense to me all of it will be restored. And so somehow God will make sense of the losses and the, the unfulfilled longings that we have and the things that we don't understand and the, the broken relationships and the pain that we experience. It doesn't make sense to me, but I trust. I trust in Christ. And I trust that in the new heavens, in the new earth, when we see Jesus, it will make sense. There's a, a book that I've seen around our home. Lily's reading it. And it's called Suffering is Never for Nothing by Elizabeth Elliot. And she went to be with the Lord about four years ago. And this is something that has never been published before, but some of her writings. And, and uh, Johnny Erickson Tata, who I mentioned in a message a couple months ago, you know, she's been in a wheelchair her whole life and breast cancer survivor and everything. She wrote the foreword to it. And it showed up, you know, I think Amazon probably brought, bought, brought it to our house a couple weeks ago. I haven't got a chance to read it, but... 
I did lift a quote from, uh, from the front cover. She writes, Whatever is in the cup that God is offering to me, whether it's pain or sorrow and suffering and grief, along with the many more joys, I'm willing to take it because I trust him. Again, that word trust. That idea of, of dependence. Um, in the resurrection, in the resurrection of Jesus, in that Easter moment, that first Sunday, we have a hope. We have a hope that can get us through anything. We have a hope that abides. So all we can do at that point is say, is say thank you, Jesus. Thank you for rising from the dead. Thank you for, for uh, giving us life so that we have hope. We have hope for this life and we have hope for, for the life to come. Let's pray. Our Lord and our King, thank you for the power of the resurrection. You tell us that it's, it's in us now and we can experience it. We can experience joy through trials. We can experience hope through the sorrow. We can, we can have contentment now, Lord, even as we long for the day when you will wipe every tear from our eyes. Lord Jesus, remind us of the power of the resurrection, how it can change us now, and how through that you, you are going to restore all, all things, restore your people, restore this world. May the power of the resurrection form us into the people that you long for us to be. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.